You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on my book, Sustainable Frontiers, Unlocking Change Through Business, Leadership and Innovation. The Principle of Creativity in CSR 2.0 In order to succeed in the CSR revolution, we will need innovation and creativity. We know from Thomas Kuhn's work on the structure of scientific revolutions that step change only happens when we can re-perceive our world, when we can find a genuinely new paradigm or pattern of thinking. This process of creative destruction is today a well-accepted theory of societal change, first introduced by German sociologist Werner Sombart and elaborated and popularized by Austrian economist Joseph Schumpeter. We cannot, to paraphrase Einstein, solve today's problems with yesterday's thinking. Business is naturally creative and innovative. What is different about the age of responsibility is that business creativity needs to be directed to solving the world's social and environmental problems. Apple, for example, is highly creative, but their iPhone does little to tackle our most pressing societal needs. By contrast, Vodafone's M-Pesa innovation by Safaricom in Kenya, which allows money to be transferred by text, empowered a nation in which 80% of the population had no bank account and where more money flows into the country through international remittances than foreign aid. Or consider Free Play's innovation, using battery-free wind-up technology for torches, radios and laptops in Africa, thereby giving millions of people access to products and services in areas that are off the electricity grid. All of these are part of the exciting trend towards social enterprise or social business that is sweeping the globe, supported by the likes of American Swiss entrepreneur Stephen Schmidheine, Ashoka's Bill Drayton, eBay's Jeff Skoll, and the World Economic Forum's Klaus Schwab, as well as Grameen Bank's Mohammed Yunus and Volans Ventures' John Elkington. It is not a panacea, but for some products and services, directing the creativity of business towards the most pressing needs of society is the most rapid, scalable way to usher in the age of responsibility. Practical steps to increase creativity include 1. Building social and environmental criteria into the core R&D function, as Nike has done with its considered design, and open-sourcing patents, as Tesla Motors has done. 2. Having forums, suggestion boxes and competitions where employees and other stakeholders can have their innovative ideas recognised and rewarded. 3. Actively supporting, investing in and partnering with social enterprises, social entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs, that is, entrepreneurs within the organisation. 4. Having diverse stakeholder representation on advisory boards and non-executive directors that can challenge the status quo. And 5. Fostering leaders that do not punish mistakes but rather encourage a culture of experimentation and learning. The Principle of Scalability in CSR 2.0 The CSR 
literature is liberally sprinkled with charming case studies of truly responsible and sustainable products and projects and a few pioneering companies. The problem is that so few of them ever go to scale. It's almost as if once the sound bites and PR plaudits have been achieved, no further action is required. They become shining pilot projects and best practice examples, tarnished only by the fact that they are endlessly repeated on the CSR conference circuits of the world, without any vision for how they might transform the core business of their progenitors. The sustainability problems we face, be they climate change or poverty, are at such a massive scale and are so urgent that any CSR solutions that cannot match that scale and urgency are red herrings at best and evil diversions at worst. How long have we been tinkering away with ethical consumerism like organic, fair trade and the like, with hardly any impact on the world's major corporations or supply chains? And yet, when Walmart's former CEO, Lee Scott, had his post-Katrina Damascus experience and decided that all fish would be MSC certified, then we started to see CSR 2.0 type scalability. Scalability is not limited to the retail sector. In financial services, there have always been charitable loans for the world's poor and destitute, But when Mohammed Yunus, in the aftermath of a devastating famine in Bangladesh, set up the Grameen Foundation and the Grameen Bank, it went from one $74 loan in 1974 to a $2.5 billion enterprise, spawning more than 3,000 similar microcredit institutions in 50 countries, reaching over 133 million clients. That is a lesson in scalability. Or contrast Toyota's laudable but premium-priced hybrid Prius for the rich and eco-conscious with a cheap and eco-friendly car for the masses, such as the Nissan Leaf. The one is an incremental solution with long-term potential. The other is a scalable solution with immediate impact. Practical steps to increase scalability include 1. Embracing sustainable or ethical choice editing product line by product line, as Sainsbury's has done beginning with its fair trade bananas. Two, having a program of best practice transfer within the organization where small, successful sustainability solutions can be replicated more widely. Three, collaborating within sectors to raise the standards within an industry, such as the detoxification program among textiles companies. Four, participating in cross-sector knowledge-sharing forums in order to spread successful practices to other industries, such as the Water Footprint Network or the Greenhouse Gas Protocol. Five, working with supply chains, as Walmart is doing with its Sustainability Index, and with customers, as Unilever is doing with its Sustainable Living Plan, and with bottom-of-the-pyramid markets, as Ashoka is doing with its hybrid value chain model to encourage behavior that is change en masse. The principle of responsiveness in CSR 2.0 
business has a long track record of responsiveness to community needs, witness generations of philanthropy and heartwarming generosity following disasters like 9-11 or the Sichuan earthquake in the Chinese province. But this is responsiveness on business's own terms, responsiveness when giving is easy and check writing does nothing to upset their commercial apple cart. The severity of the global problems we face demands that companies go much further. CSR 2.0 requires uncomfortable, transformative responsiveness, which questions whether the industry or the business model itself is part of the solution or part of the problem. When it became clear that climate change posed a serious challenge to the sustainability of the fossil fuel industry, all the major oil companies formed the Global Climate Coalition, a lobby group explicitly designed to discredit and deny the science of climate change and undermine the main international policy response, the Kyoto Principle. In typical CSR 1.0 style, these same companies were simultaneously making hollow claims about their CSR credentials. By contrast, the Prince of Wales's corporate leaders group on climate change lobbied for bolder UK, EU and international legislation on climate change, accepting that carbon emissions would need to be reduced by at least 85% by 2050. CSR 2.0 responsiveness also means greater transparency, not only through reporting mechanisms like the Global Reporting Initiative and the Carbon Disclosure Project, but also by sharing critical intellectual resources. The Eco-Patent Commons, set up by WBCSD to make technology patents available without royalty to help reduce waste, pollution, global warming and energy demands, is one such step in the right direction. Another is the donor exchange platforms like GiveAid Direct, allowing individual and corporate donors to connect directly with beneficiaries via the web, thereby tapping the long tail of CSR. Practical steps to increase responsiveness include 1. Adopting impact investing principles that assess the effectiveness of philanthropic and community development expenditures. 2. Institutionalizing a variety of stakeholder panels to give honest feedback on the organization's sustainability performance. 3. Engaging in positive constructive policy lobbying on strategic social and environmental issues, such as seventh generation is done on product labeling for household cleaning products. 4. Embracing Web 2.0 approaches such as social media and crowdsourcing to improve transparency on sites like Convetted. 5. Actively working to advance integrated reporting and full cost accounting as Puma did with its environmental profit and loss account and context reporting is doing with its benchmarking platform. The principle of glocality in CSR 2.0. The term glocalization comes from the Japanese word which simply means global localization. Originally referring to a way of adapting farming techniques to local conditions, 
The concept evolved into a marketing strategy when Japanese businessmen adopted it in the 1980s. It was subsequently introduced and popularized in the West in the 1990s by Manfred Lange, Roland Robertson, Keith Hampton, Barry Wellman, and Sigmund Baumann. In a CSR context, the idea of Think Global, Act Local recognizes that most CSR issues manifest as dilemmas rather than easy choices. In a complex, interconnected CSR 2.0 world, companies and their critics will have to become far more sophisticated in understanding local contexts and finding the appropriate local solutions they demand without forsaking universal principles. For example, a few years ago, BHP Billiton was vexed by their relatively poor performance on a CSR index, which was run by the UK charity Business in the Community. Further analysis showed that the company had been marked down for their high energy use and relative energy inefficiency. Fair enough. Or was it? Most of BHP Billiton's operations were at that time based in southern Africa, home to some of the world's cheapest electricity. No wonder this was not a high priority. What was a priority, however, was controlling malaria in the community, where they had made a huge positive impact. But the CSR index didn't have any rating questions on malaria, so this was ignored. Instead, it demonstrated a typical Western-driven, one-size-fits-all CSR 1.0 approach. By contrast, in a sugar farming cooperative in Guatemala, they have their own CSR pyramid. Economic responsibility is still the platform, but rather than legal, ethical and philanthropic dimensions, their pyramid includes responsibility to the family of employees, the community and policy engagement. Hence, CSR 2.0 replaces either-or with both-and thinking. Both SA 8000 and the Chinese National Labour Standard have their role to play. Both premium branded and cheap generic drugs have a place in the solution to global health issues. CSR 2.0 is a search for the Chinese concept of a harmonious society, which implies a dynamic yet productive tension of opposites, a Tai Chi of CSR, balancing yin and yang. Practical steps to increase glocality include 1. Publicly committing to follow with global best practice principles and standards, such as the UN Global Compact or ISO 26000. 2. Ensuring that community groups and local civil society organizations are consulted on all major developments that affect them, for example, using environmental and social impact assessments. 3. Entering into global MOU agreements with communities to agree performance targets, as Chevron and Shell do in Nigeria. 4. Having an active employee secondment and volunteer program which allows cross-cultural and cross-national knowledge transfer with the organization and greater sensitivity to local challenges. And 5. Developing clear policy guidelines and procedures on how values translate into practice, as Anglo-American does, for example, 
on issues surrounding bribery and corruption.